Welcome to the Website Coach Podcast, the podcast for entrepreneurs and small business owners that want a winning website, one that attracts more visitors and helps them book more clients. I'm Marie Brown, a website designer and business strategist, and I'll be sharing simple and actionable tips to help you create a winning website. So let's get started. Hello, welcome to episode number 57 of the Website Coach Podcast. And this week, I want to talk to you about pricing your services. Because setting and justifying your pricing is something a lot of small business owners struggle with. I have a lot of conversations with people around pricing. And I know it makes people feel really uncomfortable. Especially at the moment, because costs are increasing and we're conscious that budgets are under pressure. People do not have as much money to spend as they did before. But we're all hit by the increase in costs as well. So should you be increasing your prices to cover your increased costs? Or should you be reducing your prices so you're more affordable? Well, the first thing I want to say is that we assume potential clients make decisions based solely on price and often price our services accordingly. But clients are not necessarily as price sensitive as you might think. There is no doubt about it. These are uncertain times. Energy costs are higher. The exchange rate means items purchased in US dollars, euros or other currencies are more expensive, certainly as I'm recording this. And who knows what's going to happen to mortgage rates. Some people are cutting back on what they spend. But not everybody is. We've had recessions before. Think back a few years ago when COVID hit. There were both health and financial worries. But people were still spending. And some businesses thrived. They grew. I mean, look how well Peloton did. And they weren't the only ones. People still spend on things they don't need. A few weeks ago, I was in a shopping centre with my family. The children, so my children and my niece and nephew, went to Clip and Climb and we had some food. The shopping centre we were in was busy and the restaurants were packed. My father very sarcastically commented that he thought nobody had any money. He's right. If you read the papers, it's all doom and gloom. Maybe stop reading the papers. <laughs> but people still buy things. Now, sometimes they might buy different things. So if they can't afford to go on holiday, they might go out for dinner more often instead. There's something called the lipstick effect, which refers to the fact that when times are hard, lipstick sales, lipstick sales, that's tricky to say, go up. And that's because you might not buy the new outfit but you'll buy a lipstick instead because it's a cheaper way to make you feel better. We've just ordered a new bathroom. This has been on the cards for quite a while. <laughs> we st started looking, oh, a good year or so ago. And we've gone for exactly the same bathroom we would have ordered in more affluent times. Yes, we might earn less this year and our costs may be higher. But we can afford this bathroom. We weren't intending to be extravagant anyway. Certainly no gold taps. We're always careful with the money we spend. But we're not going for something cheaper or indeed pulling the purchase because we now have less money. 
we intend to get good use out of the bathroom. And what's more, we know that when we come to sell the house in the future, this bathroom will make the house more saleable than the current one. So please don't assume that because people have less money, they won't be spending or that everyone will be choosing to cut back. Next thing I want to talk about it is the reason people give you for not buying. So people may tell you that they can't afford whatever it is you're selling, but that's rarely the real reason. So your potential clients might say they can't afford what you're selling. And that might even be what they believe themselves, but it may not be true. There are lots of things I can afford to buy, but I don't. And I'm sure you're the same. And that's because we don't see the value in it. We can't justify the expenditure. We might choose something from a competitor that's cheaper. I might say I can't afford to buy an expensive designer dress for a one-off event. But I might spend the same amount of money on a holiday or a new car. And that's because I don't see the value in the designer dress, especially if it's for a one-off. Whereas I might see the value in spending that amount of money on a holiday that will be relaxing, a chance to get away with my family, not do the laundry and make memories. Or I might spend it on a car because I might think my old car is starting to be unreliable, break down and cost more in repairs. I often get told by business owners that they'd love a new website, but they can't afford it. But I know it's more that they can't justify the spend because they don't see the value in it. In fact, some people will tell me they need to make more money to afford it, when the reality is a new website will help them make that money quicker and easier. And understanding that difference is really is key. Now, there are some people who will always think you charge too much. And I remember listening to Frank Skinner talking about getting a dog and how he'd spent so much money on this, you know, fancy mongrel, I think, as he put it. (laughs) And then, you know, lots of money on taking care of it. And he said his father, if he'd still been alive, would have been absolutely horrified because in his day, nobody ever paid for dogs, certainly not a mongrel. And they certainly didn't feed it, you know, proper food and stuff like that. And we all have different attitudes to money. Usually, these are a result of our upbringing or adult experiences. I ran a workshop a couple of years ago about online courses, and I charged £97 for it. One lady told me very directly that she thought this was far too expensive for a one-day workshop. It was, I don't know, about five hours long. And basically, that I was ripping people off. She wasn't quite that blunt, but I understood the message that she was trying to get across. I'm not sure what she thought would have been reasonable. She was thinking that my costs were the room hire and lunch. And on that basis, yes, it was a good profit. I made, I don't know, about £300 from the day. But there was also my time. Not just the five hours of the workshop, but also the time I spent preparing for the workshop and marketing it. So my £300 profit, if you like, probably worked out about, I don't know, 20 to 25 pounds per hour of my time when he took this into account. And then there was a course I'd paid for, which cost me more than 300 pounds, which enabled me to teach what I was going to teach them. 
Now, that wasn't the argument I made to her. That's the next point. But some people will always feel you're too expensive. And often they'll think, well, I could do that cheaper myself. And I remember being with a friend of mine at a, at a fair. She made these beautiful um, pin boards covered in fabric and with ribbons, etc. And she, I was there when somebody came up with a friend and they were looking at it and going, well, I could make one of those cheaper than that. It's only a bit of, a bit of board and um, some fabric and some pins and some padding. Oh, I could get that for, I don't know, whatever they said, half the price. But they, of course, they weren't taking into account the time that somebody was putting into actually making this. And that's fine. These are not your people. This lady that I'm talking about on the online workshop did actually book. She told me afterwards that she was pleased she had. She got a lot out of it. And she even commented positively on the quality of the paper that it used to print out the workbooks. It wasn't cheap. How much would you pay for somebody to show you how to make a million pounds? Now, maybe not a million pounds, but you'd pay a lot, assuming you were convinced this was not a scam. Would you pay more if it was a one-hour lesson or a 100-hour course? Or would there be no difference because you're paying for the result? Or would you pay less to save time? I know I would. People will often pay more for less. Your pricing should be based on the value you give. This was the argument I gave to the lady about my workshop. She could take that knowledge from the workshop and earn £1,000, £10,000 or more. That's got to be worth paying £97. Of course, this isn't quite so straightforward because the value that they get isn't usually certain. And it might differ from person to person. So. That lesson on how to make a million pound, there's probably something that you've actually got to do to make that million pound. Not everybody would do it, so not everybody is going to get the same amount of value out of it. I know for my bespoke websites, most clients make far more after they have a new website than they were making before. But there are many other factors at play which determine how much more that they actually make. If you've got a baby or young child, What's the value of them sleeping through the night? And you sleeping through the night? Now, it might depend upon how much it's impacting you and how long you think it will last. We all think, <laughs> I've been there, we all think, oh, it's only going to be another couple of weeks. I've used the example on my podcast before of a local coffee shop that I love in Seven Oaks. They're not the cheapest. In fact, I think they might be the most expensive coffee shop in Seven Oaks. I have expensive tastes. <laughs> But I value the good coffee, the service, and just the experience. I choose to buy a cup of coffee there, despite it being more expensive than other coffee shops. Do you always choose the cheapest option? Do you wear the cheapest clothes, live in the cheapest home, go on the cheapest holidays, or always eat at home because it's cheaper than going out? Now, I know some people have no choice but to choose the cheapest option because they really don't have the money. But most people do have more than what they need to just cover the necessities. It's more what we value and choose to spend it on. Some people will be horrified at my wasting money on takeaway coffee, but they might spend their money on something I wouldn't dream of buying. Like, I don't know, 
more expensive items for their pet or the latest trainers. Now you also need to be cognizant of the alternatives. It's almost always a DIY alternative to what we do. There is for websites, you can build your own. There is for hairdressers, although after cutting my husband and son's hair during lockdown, I definitely value what they do. My marriage and my relationship is worth more than the cost of a trip to the barbers every few weeks, believe you and me. But cleaners, even a cup of coffee, there's a DIY alternative. And if the alternative is DIY, what are you offering above that? So for websites, I offer significant time saving. Plus, I believe the end result will give them much more revenue because their business will be pitched as higher quality than a DIY website. Other alternatives are competitors. What are they charging and what are they offering? How do you compare? And often when we look at competitors, we're not comparing like with the like. Your level of service may be different. I was talking to a lady who runs a nanny agency recently. She wanted to put her prices up because her costs were going up, but she was worried she would lose clients because an alternative, note I am not saying competitor, was about the level she was at. But the level of service she offered was completely different. She didn't just know the nannies on her books. She only took on the best, most reliable ones. And she carefully matched the nannies to the clients. Her competitor would just send all relevancy fees through and leave it to the client to either interview all of them or work out which ones were most suitable. She was offering a truly superior service, which has value. Now, people perceive value differently. Some people wouldn't dream of paying for a Byron burger when McDonald's is so much cheaper. They don't see the value, but others will. So. Your pricing should be based on the value you offer, especially compared to the alternative. Now, it goes without saying, of course, that it should also be sufficient to cover your costs and make the kind of money you want to make. If that isn't, if your costs aren't less than the value you add, you really don't have a business. And I want to come on to what I think is the most important element, which is positioning your offer. What does somebody get for what they pay? So we've talked about the value that you offer. And this is not just the features, it's the results. So the diet industry is probably the best it promises. And I'm not saying they deliver on them. You know, you've seen the headlines, the lose a stone without giving up your favourite foods, or get a beach body in two weeks, whatever it might be. I'm not suggesting for a moment that you should make false promises but you should look at the benefits clients get. We can all learn from the diet industry in that way. That nanny agency I mentioned, they're not just providing a nanny, but they're finding the right one for you, making the process as easy and stress-free as possible, while saving you a ton of time by reading out the ones that are unsuitable. Nobody's nece nobody is necessarily looking for a new website. What they're looking for is the results they get and the process. One new client of mine bought his last website on Fiverr. I really would not recommend this. Yes, it was cheaper, quite significantly, than I am, but it was not a great experience for him. 
and he's fallen out with a developer. And there are lots of problems with a website, like inconsistency of style, using different fonts and different pages, and it just doesn't present his business in the way he wants to be presented. So he's come to me to redo it because he wants a better experience than he had on Fiverr and definitely a better outcome. So to wrap up, I've talked about several things you need to think about when it comes to pricing your offer. And I hope you've taken away the main message, which is that your clients aren't not necessarily looking for the cheapest option. They're looking for value. Yes, these are difficult times, but the basic idea that you are offering more value for what you charge compared to the alternative still stands. And the key thing is how you present your offer, what your clients are getting, what are the benefits? And I'd highly recommend that's where you start before you think about changing your pricing. When you see what your clients get, you might suddenly realise that your current pricing offers amazing value. I hope you found that useful this week. Have a great week, everybody, and I will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to follow or subscribe so that you don't miss future episodes. And I'd really appreciate it if you could leave a five-star review. That makes a massive difference as to whether Apple shows my podcasts more widely. And head over to my website, beyondthekitchentable.co.uk, where you can find all the ways you can work with me, whether you're just starting out, looking to grow your business, or scaling it. And see you next week.